Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Blue Butterfly Effect podcast. I'm here with my co-host Ashley. Hi Ashley, how are you today? I'm great. Hi. So as promised in our last episode, we are kind of recounting how our summers went. We had some pretty eventful summers in that we experienced a lot of shift, a lot of awakening. And last episode, I shared my experience. In this episode, Ashley's going to share her experience with us of of how much, not just the summer, but this year has been a a year of revelation. Is that, Hmm. do you feel that that's the right word? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I feel that as facilitators, as, you know, coaches, you as a therapist, when, when we're intentional with our work, and I mean that we do our own work, it's important, I feel, for us to continue growing, to continue delving, continue being curious. That delving and that curiosity, oh, it really leads us to some places. So I'm, I'm curious to, to, to see how you feel about that and, and to go into what this year has felt like for you, what you've experienced. Thank you. When I was thinking about how I was going to break this down, I was trying to figure out what would be the most relevant for someone listening or how it would be the most accessible. And when I think about this summer, this summer was a breakdown of the way I saw the world, which, which was through the lens of trauma. Um, and I, that I didn't realize I was seeing the world through the lens of trauma still. But before I go into my summer, I really wanted to talk about something that I've been thinking about is our soul awakening. And I feel like we have many opportunities for that to happen in our lifetime. And I think we've talked about it this before, that the suffering is a little bit, and then it gets louder and louder and louder until we can't take it. And for everyone, that's different. My soul awakening started when I was 27. When did yours start? How old were you? Yeah, it started around 27, 28. And um, I think it's important to know, if I may, um, that that's, astrologically speaking, that's around the time we have our first Saturn return. So I like to think of a Saturn return. Some people go through two Saturn returns as we have them every 27 to 30 years. And what that means is that transiting Saturn returns to the place that our natal Saturn is at. And I like to think of the Saturn return as the cosmos saying that we're finally adults, right? And so that tends to be a a very pivotal time for a lot of people. You know, you see things like significant relationships coming in or significant relationships ending, marriage, buying a home, getting like a big promotion or, you know, having a spiritual awakening. And I think that the opportunity for a spiritual awakening happens at that moment, I think for everyone, Mm -hmm. but it really depends on, you know, on each person and where where they're at to see if they take on that spiritual awakening, that journey, or if they're even aware enough to know that that's happening. Mm. I think it's so interesting. And I, sh- and I wanted to talk about the soul awakening, the spiritual awakening, because I think it can sound, I don't think glamorous is the right word, but when you think about it, you think, ooh, I can't wait for that to happen. Or it sounds like a form of enlightenment. Wrong. <laughs> it is the first step onto a very challenging path of healing. And mine was wrought with like chronic low-grade depression, anxiety, I was so dissociated, but I was in so much pain. And it started when I met my husband and I made my first step on the path of choosing something that was good for me, which was meeting him. But, you know, when you meet someone that's really good for you, it makes you question all the things that were bad for you. And then I also started my therapy program, which was a personal healing program. 
They basically ask you to gut yourself in order for you to be prepared to sit with other people's pain. So, you know, between the ages of 27 and 31, I was gutting myself (laughs) and exposing all of my insides. But I wanted to also read from, I'm reading this book called Anamkara by John O'Donohue, and I highly recommend it. My friends, beautiful friends, Fred and Diana introduced it to us. And then the quote I was reading this morning was, once the soul awakens, the search begins and you can never go back. Like it brings tear to my eyes. <laughs> From then on, you are inflamed with a special longing that will never again let you linger in the lowlands of complacency and partial fulfillment. The eternal makes you urgent. You are loath to let compromise or the threat of danger hold you back from striving towards the summit of fulfillment. And I just think of this quote because when you choose that soul path, that's what it feels like. You can't go back. No matter how much suffering, no matter how hard it feels, you are so hungry for something different and new. And I did not even know it was a soul awakening that long ago. I just knew that whatever was happening, I had to choose something different. So I really share this because, again, we don't know what's happening unless you've been taught. And like, hopefully, maybe I can talk my kids through this. And when they hit 27, they're like, oh, that's what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) My life is falling apart. No biggie. (laughs) Right. My life is falling apart. This is a good thing. (laughs) But I also want to go back to something we've discussed briefly. um, The beautiful idea that I've talked about from Alberto Viotto, fate and destiny. And I've really come to understand that we come here, we have a path and we are fated to have experiences to meet people. And all those experiences and people are there to be used as teachers, not used, but yes, to be facilitators in our healing And they can be used to either keep us on our path or move us off our path. But the difference between fate and destiny is, and I think our destiny is our ultimate purpose fulfilled, whatever that is, the highest potential we could fully reach in this lifetime. You know, I don't know that we know what that is. I'm just going to keep on trucking until I figure out what that is. But my point being is along the way, you meet people and it's so important to recognize not to attach to the people or the experiences, but to be able to stand that there's something to gain from this. And some of them are painful. Some of them aren't healthy, but some of them are just guides or experiences to mirror back where we are. But the point is, is that if we move along those faded experiences or relationships and we choose to stay on our path, then we continue to evolve towards that destiny, that fullest potential we could we could reach. So I think about Lair. He was obviously faded, but he was part of my destiny. You know, my school, my destiny to be a therapist. I think about meeting you. You know, this is part of that destiny of like, however long it lasts, it's a teacher. It's brought out all these things. You know, I think about when I wanted to learn to surf, that it taught me my relationship to my fear and taught me that I was much more courageous and resilient. So all these things along the way have been teachers and mirrored back where I am on my path. But I look back and I can notice the relationships that I've left that were no longer of service and really found healing in going back to my path that they started throwing me off my path. Am I making sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I was recently thinking about some of them that like, if you stay too long in a relationship, that's not of your highest good, it just ends up draining you. And sometimes you have to break that relationship and keep going. Right. So it's so important not to get so attached to people and experiences, but to understand that they might be there for a limited time. Yeah. So I think one of the things I was talking to Millie about before this is before this year, I could never understand why something was in my life till after I learned the lesson, like with surfing. I just thought, oh, I wanted to surf. That's so great. And then two years after I was like, oh my God, it's been one of the most powerful things in my life that has taught me to face my biggest fears in so many ways. 
I've thought about like my school or different relationships that I've chosen or different things that I've done. I'm studying mediumship. I didn't understand really why I was studying mediumship until like a year or two after when I became more proficient in it. And I understood what it was there to teach me, which was really about my relationship to spirit and spirituality. It's less about me talking to the other side. It's been more about my own personal evolution and how I can be of service. But again, I didn't know why these things were happening. So this year was the first time I knew probably 90% of the time why things were happening. And that was really interesting for me. And sometimes I felt like I was in the middle of the most imbalanced, unstable parts of myself and so much pain and just kind of asking, should it be this hard? Should I be suffering if this is for my highest good? And that was a big question I was asking. If I'm doing the right thing, would I be in this much pain? And that was fascinating. So I'm going to pause there and just see if you have any questions or anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, everything that you're saying is so powerful. And I think that one thing that you were saying about hindsight, right? I think that enough people have enough experience with that, with that feeling of it's 2020 in hindsight, that if we have that experience over and over again, perhaps the next time that we're going through something, perhaps it might be easier to surrender, right? To surrender to Mm -hmm. the experience, which sounds like is what you're, what you were moving through or have been moving through a lot this year. That if we know by experience that in a year or two, what we're experiencing is going to make sense. Can we ride the wave? Right. Can we ride the wave? And so, and it's interesting. And I love that question. The, if this is for my highest good, should I be in this much suffering and pain? And that's interesting. That's interesting because sometimes, I mean, sometimes I feel yes. Right. And, and, and mm-hmm. I think that this doesn't mean that we have to stay in certain relationships, certain situations that are physically harming us, or for instance, or, you know, are abusive in nature. But within ourselves, sometimes there's a lot of suffering that's uncovered. And I think it's just asking to be yes. held in a way that it's never been held before. Yes, absolutely. So when I look back, I realize 20 to 21 was my year of grieving. I grieved and grieved that year, all, so much that had happened to me. And I realized now, as I was even making notes for this, that grief that came up, I mean, it was just like, I was crying all the time. And those of you who know me, I love a good cry now, (laughs) but it's more to get connected to my heart. But that was such intense crying. But it made space (laughs) for other stuff to rise. It made space for new parts of me to rise. So in, I guess it's been a year ago. I'll just start what I've recognized. I think about it. I had inspiration. So I was already teaching mediumship to you and Fred and Deanna, three people. And I'd been, oh, and Casey, and I had been told that I would be a teacher and I was like, no, I won't. But anyway, I had this inspiration for my class and I thought, oh, great. So I'm going to send an email out to anyone I know and um, offer this class. Now, let me give you some backstory real quick. And that those of you may not know, or sometimes I've talked about this. I come from severe trauma, like severe complex trauma. I was terrorized by my mother, brainwashed by her. So when social media came out and all this stuff, I just basically became invisible because I didn't want any way for her to have access to me or my kids. I basically lived as far away as I could so I would feel safe. I mean, people don't, I think, understand for someone who's a victim of child abuse, what it's like for your perpetrator to still be alive. Mm -hmm. And people just go, oh, it's your parents. And you're like, no, but you wouldn't say that. I think about this all the time. You would never say that to a victim of any other kind of violence, racial violence, homophobic violence, you know, um, sexual violence. You would never just say, oh, you know, but victims of child abuse, often their perpetrators are still out there, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm not in relationship to this person. So, you know, one of the things my mom is good at is, infiltrating systems and manipulating and then destroying my connections. So I basically became invisible for about however long social media has been around. 
And then I have this idea of this class and I'm like, oh, I'm going to send out an email. I posted on my private Instagram page and the lovely Vanessa Bennett, who's she's talked about my relationship to her. She was my former client. She returned. I don't even think she knows this, what she's done for me, but she returned the favor and reached out to me. And she said, I really think you need to have a public account because people need to hear what you have to say. And I was like, oh, great. But how? No, I was still so scared. I was like, what, what's going to happen when I have a public account? You know. So I had all these like fears, even though I hadn't talked to my mom in 20 years of I become visible. What does this mean? You know, what's going to happen to me? But then I just found like I was like the desire. And this is what's so important. The desire to help and be of service and to teach my class was more important than my fear, which was huge. So I started offering the class. I started opening Instagram account. And I have to tell you, I used to open it up and just panic every time, like just panic. Like I couldn't look at it certain times. I mean, it sounds so silly now, but when we're talking about trauma, we're talking about, you know, being seen, being visible, being heard. I mean, when I was a kid, if I said the wrong thing, mm-hmm. I could get choked, slapped. So, you know, you're you're not allowed to have a voice. So all of a sudden I'm like, I'm going to talk about myself and I'm going to take up space and I'm going to put myself out there. Terrifying. But I did it. And I would lay awake at night just freaking out. (laughs) So I kind of inched my way into that. And then one day, about six weeks later, I was laying on a Reiki table. And all of a sudden, I was like, I'm not scared of her anymore. I'm not scared. And And that was like huge. I never thought I would live this life and not be scared of my mother. And that was a huge awareness. But then I realized, but I'm still scared of being seen by the outside world. What does that mean? Will I be treated in the same way? Will I be shamed or annihilated or canceled? All the things, you know, that happen when you're treated like that. But I kept going because I realized that, like, if I want to invite people to be a part of this class, if I want to talk about mediumship, if I want to talk about this podcast, you invited me to be on the podcast. And normally I would have been like, no, I said, yes. I mean, this was huge for me to have a voice. And you know about this. But the whole time I'm shitting my pants, (laughs) you know, that's something we often talk about, but. I'm like crying in the middle of the night. I'm like having nightmares. I'm like having panic attacks. My PTSD is triggered. I just kept going. And I say all this because summer hit and I realized for the first time how much I was seeing the world through the lens of my trauma, right? That I didn't know how to relate to the world in any other way other than the terrorized little girl that I was. And you'd think, you'd think like I was great one-on-one with my clients. I'm great with my husband. I'm great with my kids. but humans are scary. So I just kept nudging myself closer. And I remember asking, you know, different people, is it supposed to feel this scary? But I think it was this scary. Like what you were talking, is the suffering supposed to be this big? I think because I was, I was challenging the trauma. I was challenging the voice because the voice was saying, stay small, stay invisible, or shit is going to hit the fan. Shut that Instagram feed down, shut it all down. And um, I was like, no, I'm not doing it. No, I, I love that. I feel, you know, just to add, when those moments come, when that fear gets louder, when those doubts, those that PTSD, that trauma, the insecurities, when all of that gets louder, whatever whatever's appropriate for you, I think it just means that there is this next level of our soul that's ready to emerge. Yeah. 
And I think that if we are, again, facilitators and work to be of service, I mean, even if not, even if that's not what you do, right? I think it is how we are of service to the world. Because when that part of our soul is ready to emerge and we can hold our own pain, we can hold ourselves, the scariest parts of ourselves and be with it. So it can be understood. So it can be, it can be calmed. It can, it can be shown a different way. All that does is allow us to expand our capacity capacity to hold others and I believe ultimately more compassionate. Mm -hmm. I think there's an understanding of, of the world's pain and suffering when we're able to hold our own in that way, especially when it feels as great as what you're describing. Yeah. I mean, to hold myself in those spaces was like, I was so good at holding other people, but I had never really held myself because I mean, I'd done so much work, but I just didn't realize that other than my comfy little space, I mean, yeah, I was doing great. Just doing one-on-one -on -one and with my family, my life was good. But spirit was like, Hey, let's go teach. I'm like, what? You know, I've literally was like, you know what you're asking me? You're, Oh, I forgot this part. I said to spirit, I was like, you're asking me to go on social media because that's the only way I can advertise this. And I felt my intuition go, yes, it's time you're ready. And I was like, Oh God. Cause that was the scariest thing. Yeah. So one thing I want to say about PTSD, complex PTSD, I mean, there's different modes of healing trauma. I think complex PTSD and complex trauma is much different. I, is it ever fully healed? I don't know that yet. I hope so. Yeah. But I think for those of us that have it, it's so important to recognize that we have to be in relationship to it all the time. So it's, I look back on what I'd been doing for the past 15 years, like little things that I'd, I'd put on my path. Like I can't lay in bed and ruminate. I have to get up in the morning and go make the coffee because there's no space or I will spiral. Things that I'd been doing all these years to protect my mental health. I have to be outside. I have to exercise. I have to connect with animals, surfing, all of it. I realized this year, I was like, that's me being in relationship to my PTSD so that it doesn't overtake mm -hmm. me. I'm always having to be one step ahead of it. Now, I will say the more, right? Sorry. I, I'm yeah. sorry. It's just that that's mind blowing, right? Because I never thought about it in that yeah, way. I don't talk about that. No. No. No, because all of these things that you're saying, it's, it's, those are the things that are suggested, right? Across the board for us to, to be well and, and feel well and, and be our best self. And while, yeah, those things aren't bad things, exercising is not a bad thing. Being outside is not a bad thing. But like anything else, it's what's the actual intention and relationship with that? Mm -hmm. And, and you're just, you know, you're, you, it, it blew my mind right now that you said that you're, that's you being in relationship with that. I mean, I'm definitely curious, curious to hear more because that, that blew my mind right there. I mean, I just, I've accepted the fact that it's a part of my life. I've, I've accepted the fact that there are triggers, mm -hmm. you know, some days it can be a minefield and some days to some people, they could be very small, but some days they're big. I've learned to hear the voice, my trauma voice versus the voice of my soul, which is so important or my ego, but I have to be one step ahead of it. You know, if I don't like, I sit outside every morning, even if it's raining, I try to find some way. If I don't get that, I start pacing. Like, I feel like I'm pacing the cage, you know, it's like, I need that reset. I need that connection with nature. And what I discovered this summer after reading this beautiful book, The Awakened Brain by Dr. Lisa Miller, she talked about the earth has alpha waves. Now, for some of you, I don't know if you've ever heard, I have an alpha stem machine, which produces alpha waves for your brain. And they use it for vets and um, people with PTSD. You clip it onto your earlobes and it stimulates alpha waves to your brain when you're having an episode or 
Beta waves are the waves of fear and anxiety. And alpha waves are the waves of peace, calm, relaxation, and light meditation. And like when I'm doing intuition, a light form of intuition, that's alpha waves. The, the earth operates on an alpha wave, mm-hmm. trees, all of it. So what I, I, this is another thing I didn't realize. The reason I was going sitting in my backyard is because it's alpha waves. So I would go right. seek those without even realizing it. This is why it's so beautiful to work in like an intuitive group like we have, because we're sitting in alpha mm-hmm. waves for two hours mm-hmm. that are <laughs> calibrating our brain. And I think healing our brain. And I think about all the time that we've sat in circle and sat in my classes. If, if trauma is the voice of fear and I'm sitting in love most four days a week, two to eight days, two to eight hours a day, I'm sitting in love. That has to be doing something to my nervous system. That has to be showing my nervous system that love is more powerful. That has to be not at war with the PTSD, but it's letting my body and my brain and my nervous system have a completely different experience. And that's one reason I'm so emphatic or I'm so excited about sharing like intuition and the the practice of it because it's all about love. And I want people to have that experience. So I've got kind of got off track. But anyway, in relationship to my and to PTSD, I think it's important to understand that you have to get ahead of it and you have to figure also ways like, okay, when I'm triggered, how do I deescalate this? What are my go-tos? So it doesn't spiral out of control. And then how do I get myself back on track when I've had an episode? Because if you have PTSD, then you know sometimes they last an hour, sometimes they can last a week, depending on the trigger. And then the recovery can be a week. It can be two weeks sometimes. Lack of sleep. My body aches. I have brain fog. So finding those ways to get your brain and your body back online. So it's, it takes a toll on the human body to have this kind of episode. So it's really important to be in relationship to it. Would you mind sharing, I don't know, and, and obviously you don't have to go into specifics, but well, I don't mind. a moment, a moment in, in this journey, in this awakening, in this other layer of awakening of your soul, what, what was it like being in that moment? What did your body feel like? How did you respond? And did your normal or your usual go-to tools, did they, did they quote unquote work in those moments? Mm -hmm. I'm really, I'm curious about that. You know, the one that was so palpable for me is, so that first Instagram post about my class, Vanessa asked if she could share it publicly. And those of you, I think a lot of our listeners know Vanessa Bennett. She's got a huge following. She shared about it. And I fucking panicked. I was head on the floor pacing. I was like, oh my God, what does this mean? What does this mean? And I was so grateful. I said, yes, I said, yes, go ahead. But then I didn't realize that I didn't realize what the impact would be on me. And I was pacing. I was panicked. I couldn't breathe. I was dizzy. I had to get in child's pose. I took CBD oil. I put on the alpha stem. (laughs) I I did all the things. I did downward dogs. (laughs) I was like, I have to get my face so close to the ground. Because I was just floated away and became really dissociated. Um, But the whole time I was like, this is a good thing. And this is great. And there was such beautiful feedback. Like my inbox just started filling up. And then I was like, oh, shit, what do I do now? (laughs) You know? And so there were many moments like that where I would be panicked. And then I would also recognize the voice of my trauma was saying, it was screaming at me like, you're not doing enough. You know, you're this, you're that. And I would, I remember crawling in bed one day 
And Lara was like, Ash, this is not your truth. This is not your truth. This is your, your, your trauma, your fear talking to you. And I took a moment and I was like, I started listening. Who's talking right now? Mm-hmm. And it was like my mother's mm-hmm. interject. And interject is when you internalize the voice of like a perpetrator of your abuse or whatever. And it was my mother's interject. And mm-hmm. she was just screaming. And I was hiding under the covers. And then I was like, oh, no. And I flipped those covers back and I sat up in bed and I like was like, no. <laughs> and I came yeah. back to center. Yeah. And that was how I started fighting back. <laughs> is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. And how does it feel? Because I think that this is One of the things that takes a long time, the ability to be able to distinguish that voice and feeling of fear and trauma and perpetrator and all of the things versus how it feels to be in a space of of centeredness, groundedness and love, even though the thing is still happening, the the trigger is still there, even though the event is still taking place. I think that I mean, that, that takes a lot. That takes a long time. Yes. I mean, yeah. And you know, I guess it depends. I don't want to predispose anyone because everyone is on their own path and maybe someone is meant to come to that space a lot sooner than, than mm-hmm. some of us. But I mean, personally, I know that it's taken me years to get to this space. I think that, yeah, this is probably the first year where I've actually been able to distinguish that. And it's been a long time. Yeah. And some days it's great. And some days it's, you know, I'm not so good at it. And I, I think that's right. the part that's hard is, some days I can be so in the in the trauma voice and I won't even know what's happening, but I can tell right. by my behavior. I can tell that if I'm agitated, I can tell mm-hmm. if I'm feeling doubtful or shame, then those are signs that I'm obviously in this in a trauma voice or listening to my ego or my fear. Because love and intuition are so peaceful. And even if you're scared, like love will say, you're going to be okay. Like love calms you down and soothes you and centers you. And that's the voice. It will never shame you. It will never scream at you. It will never tell you that you're bad or wrong. It'll gently nudge you into how you can support yourself. So I think, I think it'll be an ongoing challenge, you know, just, I don't know with an ego, you know, we all have, I don't know that I'll ever get to the space where every time I'll, I'll just fall into that intuitive voice. I hope so. I hope I'll be able to calm myself. Yeah. How does it feel in your body when you are in that space and still, you know, the thing is happening? I can still feel my nervous system agitated. Right. But I know I'm going to be okay. Like even having this conversation with you, I can feel my nervous system a little anxious about talking about it, wanting to make sure I'm staying on course and I'm clear. But also my higher self is like, you're going to be okay. You know, they'll edit out whatever doesn't your intention is to share, you know, so there's like, there's this, it's, I imagine it like a child who's scared and then the mother is holding. So that's what I feel. There's this dual experience, but the love is stronger. I love that. I love that because I think there is something about, you know, I like to remind people that it's not so much about eradicating these parts of ourselves, which I think is, I think it's a lot of the aim that we go in towards because it's so scary to be in that space, mm-hmm. especially if you're in the beginning of this work, it's almost like the aim is like, I just don't want to feel this anymore. How do I get rid of it? How do I get over it? And and then when it comes back in some way, the common thing we hear is I thought I was over this, right? And right. Even, I mean, I've had that experience again and again. Mm-hmm. And so it's about holding that and still holding the development of the understanding of this unconditional love that exists within us, because that is who we are. Yeah. Yeah. The, if you can get to that quicker, I feel like that's the goal mm-hmm. is I can get to it quicker. Exactly. I can find it quicker. I can go, Oh, I have a home within myself. 
I remember that my soul's right here with me. I can always connect to it. And that is so comforting. It feels like, you know, they talk about having a home within yourself. And sometimes I get annoyed at that because, you know, for those of us that have struggled, it's nice words, but what does that fucking mean? <laughs> you know, like have a home within mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. But really lately, just Mm -hmm. having such a relationship with my soul and working with my intuition and healing my trauma, I just feel that soul home in me. And that is so great. It's just this energy I know is always there. That's what I mean. So before you mentioned that you were, as you were experiencing all of this this summer, as this was emerging within you this summer, you were seeing what was happening as it was happening. Mm -hmm. How did that feel differently to hold versus, you know, the understanding of it coming in hindsight? It was so reassuring. It was so reassuring. Like I felt like I felt like I was in such a relationship with my human and my soul at the same time. It was I could answer the question, just keep going. You know, I someone asked me how I was a couple of weeks ago. And I remember just feeling like every day for the past year, I feel like I just have to say, OK, you got to be brave today. And I just felt so exhausted from being brave. And I hadn't felt, I knew the integration, we talked about this last time, the integration hadn't come yet. And I feel like it, it has over the past week. I feel it so much more strongly. But I remember just thinking every day, like recording a podcast, you got to be brave. Teaching a class, you got to be brave. You're going to post on Instagram, you got to be brave. <laughs> mm-hmm. Started doing horse therapy out at the barn. You got to be brave. Something new, you know, it just felt yeah. like time or you're going to be a guest on a podcast. You got to be brave. And, you know, again, going back to someone who liked being silent and invisible because that was her safe place. I just reached this point where I was like, I'm so tired. But all I kept saying is at some point I will feel all of this. I will feel it all embodied. And to have said that two, two weeks ago to have felt so exhausted and then now feel so embodied um, in that way, I just, I'm, I'm thrilled that I was with it. There was something also interesting you know, trauma, and we talked about this before, not on the podcast, but trauma, it tells us certain stories about ourselves and it asks questions in the world. It wants us, it's looking for answers in the world, but it's always looking for answers to prove that you can't be safe if you're out in the world. I'm not being clear. So basically from the time I was born till this summer, my question was, do I have the right to be here? Am I welcome? Am I safe? Those were like the questions. Mm -hmm. First chakra trauma, fear is the demon of the first chakra. It basically says like, are you welcome? And I remember this summer Mm -hmm. noticing for the first time that I was asking this question everywhere I went. Like I probably did it with Mm you. I was doing out in the world. Am I safe? Am I safe? Do I have the right to be here? Am I welcome? And I felt like I was standing in a doorway of life, like looking through at the room and just seeing. And my therapist finally said to me, she was like, you ask enough times, you're going to find a reason. You're going to find the answer. No, but what you're missing along the way are all the yeses. Mm -hmm. And that was so profound for me because I realized in standing in the doorway of life, I had missed so many yeses that would show me that I was safe enough. And Mm -hmm. I realized that for all this time and everything. That's the question I've been asking. And I had to answer it with inside myself, right? Yeah. I remember going to see the horses one day and I said to my therapist, I said, there's something I'm missing. They're trying to tell me something, trying to tell me something. And one of these horses came right up to me out of the pasture, far back in the pasture. She walked like so many yards to come greet me. She licked my hand in affirmative and she was like, yeah, you're missing it. And what I learned from that moment is I had been asking the horses, am I allowed to be here? Am I allowed to be here? And they kept waiting for me to know that I was. And that was a powerful Mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And leading to that, 
I woke up that week, like that, that was on a Monday, that Sunday morning, I woke up and I was sobbing. This was the summer. I was sobbing, 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 sobbing. And I just looked at my husband, we were sitting outside and I was like, I feel like I've lost spirit. I've lost all connection. And I said, I just, I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much suffering. I was like, I don't understand. I just don't feel connected. I was like, I don't feel the love anymore. I just used to feel it. You know, I used to feel signs and feel the love. And he just looked at me and he goes, Ash, he goes, you don't have to see signs of love or feel love. You are the love. You just have to be the love. And I remember just being like, I just took a gasp because that was the thing I'd been seeking. I kept looking for spirit to show me I had the right to be here. And he was like, Ash, you don't need a sign. You have the right to be here. You're love. So you already are. And that was like probably the most pivotal moment of my journey (laughs) and recognizing that I no longer had to seek. I no longer had to ask that question. It was life-changing. Absolutely. (laughs) Just like, oh, I am the love. I had no idea. I am allowed to be here because I just exist. I'm an expression of the divine. So of course I have the right to be here. But trauma had been telling me the whole time that I didn't because my mother didn't want me in that way. My dad, you know, all the things. But spirit's just been saying, you are. Therefore you are. (laughs) I was wondering if it would be okay for me to share something of your chart. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, okay. Um, So you are a Libra ascendant um, and you have Pluto right on the ascendant. So we're recording this episode on October 3rd. Um, We're recording this episode on the day that Mercury is waking up from a really significant retrograde period, which started September 9th, 2022, September 9th, 2022 to October 3rd, 2022. So that Mercury retrograde started in the sign of Virgo, which in your case is, is, was in the 12th house. It's known as the house of the subconscious, the house of the undoing, the house in which there are so many unconscious things that dictate a lot of our behavior, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the, the scary stuff. In, in very ancient traditional astrology, the 12th house was described as a house of prison, as a house of an asylum. Wow. We can be our own prison. We can be in our own asylum, right? So that's where Mercury started its retrograde in that 12th house for you. Then as it went on through its retrograde cycle, it crossed your ascendant line, that Libra line. And the ascendant, for those that don't know, the ascendant in our chart represents the relationship that we have to the world. That's the simplest way of putting it. There are a lot of other popular interpretations of the ascendant that I'm not very fond of. And to me, this is what feels the most true. The sign on the ascendant represents how we relate to the world. So Libra energy, but you have Pluto on there. So this is really interesting. Libra wants to see both sides of the story. Libra wants to accommodate. Libra wants to be the mediator. The thing is, is that when Libra energy doesn't have clear boundaries, doesn't fend or champion for itself, there's a sense that it can be overpowered and taken advantage of. What's interesting is that you have Pluto right there. Whenever we have planets on the ascendant, those will amplify that sign. Let's talk about Pluto on its own for a second, because Pluto is the energy of depth psychology. It is the energy of the shadow, of the death and rebirth. Anyone born with Pluto on the ascendant is going to have some pretty transformational experiences in their life, right? I think we all have those, but depending on what life your soul is on, you're, you're going to experience different things in different lifetimes. Pluto is this energy that that person will crave 
at its core to be seen, understood, held, sometimes even protected so much. That's what someone with Pluto on the Ascendant will crave. And yet those same things, to be that vulnerable is their greatest fear. Mm -hmm. To be seen, held, understood can be the greatest desire but also the greatest fear. Mm. And so with Mercury transiting there, Mercury again started in the 12th house, went over the ascendant. And when Mercury retrogrades on the ascendant, it is the reconsideration it's the revisiting of the self. And it's the ability to say, who am I in all of this? What is really my relationship to the world, right? Yeah. What part, from which part of me am I relating to the world? And with you, with Pluto on the Ascendant, Pluto, Pluto is dark. Pluto is heavy. So Pluto is actually representative of trauma. And what it sounds like you realize is you were relating to the world a lot, to life a lot from this place of trauma. And it sounds like you took your power back and you're saying this no longer has a hold of me in the way that it did. I can right. see it happening as it's happening. And that's incredibly powerful. So I hope that wasn't too long. And I hope that you all were able to follow, but this is so significant for, for, for you and where you're at in your chart. Well, I love hearing that because I always love to know that I'm in alignment to where my chart is. It makes me feel like good. You're on the right track, you know? Um, yeah. But it also validates the experience. I always think it's fascinating with all the trauma that I've had. And then I have this Pluto ascendant and it's about, like you said, the heavy stuff, the trauma. And But I do feel like I spent the summer pulling threads of my, you know, I've talked about being brainwashed, pulling threads out of my brain of like, is this true? No. Is this true? No. Is this true? No. And rewriting my story around almost everything. I mean, I've, I, I think there are a couple of things left, but as I was doing it, I was like, I am just setting myself free, you know, one thread at a time. And it didn't happen overnight. It happened with me showing up over and over again and in the face of shame, self-doubt, and a lot of fear. But there had to be a different story. There had to be a different story. And I'm, sta I'm sitting here today and over the past 24 hours, I can really feel that different story. I mean, yeah. there are so many things that I could say, yeah, let that go. Let that go. Let that go. It's, mm -hmm. and it, and it took a year and I think I'm 48. So I think of 47 years of living this way. And I try not to have shame about that, you know, mm -hmm. and for whatever reason, this was the right time. I, something I also noticed is that I feel like my human had to know it was safe enough for me to go through this. And so this beautiful world that I created and the safety of my work and how fulfilling it is and my my little family with my boys and my husband and the friends that I have, it was a really safe world. I couldn't have done it without that, you know, and then making connections in my circle and the work I've been doing. I, I honestly think that I believe spirituality is a really missing key to healing trauma. I think we're really missing the boat if we don't look at it because it's such a loving place. And I don't know how we can heal our trauma if we don't have a relationship to spirit or understanding our higher purpose or practice and love and have that that loving energy to fall back on. I, I don't know how we do it. I mean, you know, science is great. I think a clinical approach is great. It helps us put names to things. It helps us read studies and all of all of those wonderful things that the human mind needs. Yeah. But if that's at the extent to which we stop, I don't believe that it's ever going to make full sense. No, I don't you have to have that. Both. It's, yeah, I don't believe that it will ever be an embodied understanding. Mm -hmm. And it's not about one or the other, which is what has been 
think it's it's a lot of the rhetoric that has been popular for a long time that it's one yeah, or the other yeah, and it's both it needs to be both that's why both exist yeah you need the pieces of the puzzle to put together to create the picture psychology is the pieces of the puzzle spirituality mm-hmm. gives you the picture exactly and i i i think there are things that I've known on an intellectual level that after this year, I just feel like, again, I'll never know until I die, all the things. Mm-hmm. But I never understood so much how this human life is the vehicle through which our soul evolves. That everything I did this year, all the twisting and turning and showing up and the courage and the relationship to my trauma was all in service to my soul showing me hey, you're so much more than this in its own evolution. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I really get that. Like I get that on a cellular level. It's one thing to say it. And it's one thing to kind of get it. And then that's, I think that's the other thing is I watched myself go over this year. I was like, this is all part of the evolution of my soul. And there's something greater at work here that I can't understand fully. I don't know what it's going to look like. You know, I'd never knew what this past 24 hours would feel like, even just sitting here and just some experiences I had over the weekend. My human could never dream this freedom up that I feel. And the, the pieces that I've let go of, it couldn't have even imagined it. But that's what's so beautiful about the soul and spirit. The possibilities are so incredible. So you just keep going. And you just know that at some point it's going to really pay off. Right. It's, it's that same, the same path that feels so long sometimes. Yeah. You have to remember that it feels, or it is as long as it needs to be so that when this, when these truths really settle in, not only can we appreciate them, but we have the capacity to hold them, mm-hmm. to hold and embody the truths that you're talking about. These, this knowing that you're talking about, it's immense. Mm-hmm. It's Huge. immense. Yeah. It needs that much time. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying with this is thank you for saying that because we have to trust our path mm-hmm. and we have to trust the length of time that some things take in order for us to have the capacity to hold again bigger truths. Yeah. Let me ask you this, do you feel that this experience that you're having now could you have held it 10 years ago? Oh, no, no. Right. No, I I was so resistant. Mm-hmm. I was so resistant to some lessons. I remember being stuck in a big lesson, one with my son. I remember being stuck for many years because I did not want to accept what was right in front of me. And the minute I did, it was so transformative. But I had to learn acceptance. I had to learn to be in the suffering. I had to learn that there was something here teaching me that I had to look at. Something for me to trust that there was something bigger at play. And since then, I've really been able to see that if there's something for me, it's for me. And many times since then, I hadn't understood what was for me and why. But this year, I did. Mm-hmm. I really did. And it's not going to be my last. There's probably going to be many more to come. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think that that's another, I think that's another truth that really settles in. Because you realize how past experiences, when you have a moment like this, and it really settles into your body, those truths settle into your body, that understanding, you realize, oh my God, all those other times were this, just in different ways, in different scenarios, which means that more are to come. Yes. And again, unless this understanding is embodied, you're going to reject it. And this isn't to say, and I I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but this isn't to say that there isn't a little bit of fear that comes with that. Of course, the human's still there. Mm -hmm. But I think that there is a much easier time with surrendering and understanding the gift that it is. <laughs> it doesn't 
it's it's crazy. I, I, it sounds crazy, I guess, because it doesn't feel great, but it is a gift. No, it is a gift, and you're honoring your human's pain when you when you surrender. You're finally saying, "Oh, I see you. I see you're hurting. I see right. you're looking for something more." And it's a real acknowledgement of the human. It's not just going blissed out into spirit because I know what this is about. It's yeah. dealing with that human pain, and yeah. It takes as long as it takes for it to be embodied. I think a year is a really good time for something to become embodied. Six months ago, it wouldn't, I wasn't ready. I had someone say to me last night, they were like, wow, you're still dealing with some of that stuff? And I'm like, yeah, because wow. it's layer upon layer upon layer. And, it, and again, it's not for everyone. You know, like my right. trauma is not everyone else's trauma. My chart is not everyone else's chart. I hope for anyone who's listening that yours is quick <laughs> and easy. Right. Yeah. This, this lifetime for me is a series of deep lessons, a series of healing, and a series of untangling all the stuff to become a newer version of me. The amount of time, right? We ask ourselves, how much longer of this? Like, yeah. how much longer? Every week feels that much longer. And you look back and you're like, it's been four weeks. It's been six weeks. Yeah. It's been four months. Like when, when, and, and to be honest, this is where astrology really is my saving grace, at least, at least for me, because I know these transits, I know how long they last. And <laughs> sometimes it's like, okay, all right. It, it is what it is. That's what helps my human mind. Yes, totally. Someone said to me the yeah. other day, they were like, well, a butterfly never is in its cocoon wondering how much longer this is going to take, you know, twisting and turning, you know, because it has some an ego. It just is. It just does. And right. I love that, right. especially in relationship with what we're yeah. talking about. But does it question its metamorphosis? You know, right. I'm in here. It's been a long time. So, <laughs> right. so. As of now, just, you know, right now, Ashley, today, what do you feel that you're taking with you from this moment forward in terms of how you're approaching life now? Let me be clear. What do you feel or how do you feel that you're approaching life now that you weren't in, in a way that you weren't approaching it before? That is like crystal clear or just night and day different. I'm allowing myself to be seen. Okay. Yeah. I was talking that with my therapist this morning. I was talking about connecting in a different way to different people and even the horses. And she was like, but you're letting yourself be seen in a way you never have before. So I'm here. I'm not hiding. I'm not asking to be invisible, which I'm really good at. I'm not camouflaging myself. I'm like, I'm here. And that, and it's liberating. I didn't think it would be. And, you know, that's beautiful because from someone who has learned so much from you, who has been your student, that's, that's a gift. You know, you, you being seen, you teaching, you, that's a gift. That's a gift to the rest of us. So I'm grateful that you are able to be in this space. And I think that the more that you get comfortable in this space, the more people will be able to learn from you and receive you. Pluto on the Ascendant, not, you know, not to, not just to label you by your chart. Someone with Pluto on the Ascendant didn't come to be invisible. They came to be a force. And that is really beautiful to be witnessing. And I think that we're just all that much better off because of it. <laughs> For thank having you. the year that you've had. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, thank you. That was so beautiful. I'm so touched. Yeah, I feel like I would be doing my life and my soul a disservice if I was going to be hiding anymore. So yeah. thank you, Millie, for listening. Thank you. Oh my God. Are you kidding? Thank you for sharing this. Thank you for having this conversation with me. We hope that that this is that our stories are helpful to you all in some way.
if something resonates with you, if you have any questions, feel free to, to reach out. Oh, absolutely. I welcome any questions. Yeah. I would love to interact with anyone about this, if, you know, on any topics that we talk about. Please, please feel free. Once the episodes air, I'm going to start posting, you know, like a comment or a question box on our Instagram page because we want to interact with you. We, we want to know your stories and it helps us. It helps us stay connected with you all. And we're just so grateful that you are all here with us. So thank you. And thank you, Ashley, yes. for that. Thank you so much. Talk to you all soon. Bye, guys.